I'm Tim Burke. Welcome to the Tactical Games Podcast. Hey, everybody. This is his assistant, Nate. And today we're going to talk about the tactical games and all things tactical games like. Tim, let's start off with just informing everybody that this is physically a week past the uh, event in Atlanta. So we're going to get you to open up by reading something that was sent to you uh, just this past week about that event. Yeah, I got this email from one of the competitors, and I will tell you, this is what I live for right here. Uh, yes, it's a business. Yes, the tactical games, I want it to grow. I want it to take over the world. Um, but this is what I live for. This is what gets me out of bed in the morning. This is what drives me at midnight when I'm writing those emails and things are still not done. And uh, I'm just going to jump in uh, kind of in the middle. Obviously, we don't want to identify who this guy is. Um, but, uh, uh, yep. Um, but, uh, here goes. <clears throat> so, uh, this person starts off with a couple of years ago, I was in a pretty toxic relationship and it ended poorly as one would expect. I had lost my way without too much detail of how bad of a place I thought I was in and decided that dating and drinking and meat market gyms were how and where I would spend my time. One day, I was scrolling through Instagram and saw a couple of videos of the tactical games, and I thought to myself, I could really crush an event like that. Fast forward a few months, and another event pops up, and I was even further down the wrong path, so I registered. I registered for the Covington event, knowing it would force me to get my crap together and face myself like a man. I trained, I injured myself, I continued training and injured myself again. I kept pushing, and it brought me to Thursday, 6-20-2019. I came to an event that I had no idea what to expect, alone, with no support system, and willing to put in the work to get out what I wanted. Friday, my happy butt shows up to register early, after being rear-ended as I left my hotel room to come and check in. I met a couple of people, and it was, uh, excuse me, and was a little perturbed by the positivity and familial nature everyone had. Saturday morning, the first event was humbling to say the least. I knew this would be hard, and I wanted it to be hard. I wanted this to crush me and melt me down so I could reshape myself into who I knew I used to be and who I should be. Saturday and Sunday, I was simply in awe, watching the competitors work hard and watching their competitors cheer them on. Mostly, everyone was upbeat, happy, and wanting everyone to have a good time and do well. This was a foreign concept to me, and it does nothing but show what kind of people are in this circle. Uh, skip a little bit. And then he says, Once again, I can't thank you and everyone that was at the South River Gun Club on Saturday and Sunday enough for giving me a reason to live. I've been down some bad roads, and I can't tell you how important it was for me to have a goal and a purpose. This was my walkabout. I strategized and trained and fought myself in every way to get there, and I finished it. I needed a purpose, and I needed my butt humbled, and this did both in one of the safest, most fun environments filled with some of the greatest people on the planet. I look forward to seeing you at future events. And then he signs, thank you, and his code name. So 
What that, an amazing letter. That just take a moment to pause and reflect on that. <laughs> Every athlete there at the games, heck, even the judges, everybody has their reason for being there and getting there and be it to support you in your adventures and, and endeavors or to be there to to take part in it, to experience it for what it is. It, it The key words that pop out from that letter to me is to melt myself down and kind of reforge in a, in a better, stronger image of what I expect of myself is what I heard from it. And I know my personal journey for being an athlete there and, and then, you know, working the backside of the games with you here. I, I just, I'm blown away, Tim. Like, how, how do you feel as the director to get letters like that? Well, you know, um, my partner, Steve, and I were, we had a meeting today, kind of a strategic meeting, and um, we both just sat there looking at each other, and, and we both agreed, shaking our heads in, in a positive way, that, you know, we, we started this, we, we thought it was going to be cool, we thought it was going to kind of take off a yeah. little bit, otherwise we wouldn't have tried it, right? Um the the unintended consequences or effects that we're seeing are the real payoff, Nate. I mean, it's the place now where warriors go to be tested with other warriors. And people from all walks of life, whether they've been in the military or in law enforcement or not, there's still people out there with a warrior's heart. And we're finding that this is the place they're all collecting right? Men and women who are identifying and connecting with this super amazing atmosphere and group of people that, uh, you know, we're just blown away by it. I, it's, you almost have to experience it to get it. Um, we had a, a visitor Saturday at, a, at the Atlanta event. And uh, first time, not from a tactical background, never served in the military, uh, kind of a financial guy. And we're standing at the start finish line for one of the battles. And this guy came running up this little hill and then crossed the cones to the finish. But as he was doing so, everybody was screaming, cheering him on and clapping for him. And, and the guy that was with me, he looked over at me and he said, um, wasn't he, he wasn't the first one. Wasn't he like third or fourth? And I said, yeah, absolutely. He was the fourth one to cross the finish line out of five. And he goes, well, they're clapping for him just like they were clapping for the first guy. And I smiled and I said, exactly. And, and that there itself echoes the games. Like, and the, the one uh, feat that stands out from, for me from the conversations is that eight foot wall. In that one battle, there was an eight-foot wall, and there are some people that just, in their heads, were struggling if they were going to get over it or not. And we're on the clock. We're we're battling. These are athletes that are, you know, trying to win and trying to have personal bests and, and to score. But they're getting over the wall and stopping and coming back and helping the next competitor get over it as well, and then carrying on. You don't see that in yeah. any other activity. You don't see that in any other competition at all. Yeah. Yeah. The, the visitor, uh, when we spoke a little bit afterwards, he said, um, he goes, is this a team event or is this an individual <laughs> event? And, uh, and I said, well, <clears throat> excuse me. I said, uh, it's an individual event. And I called his name 
And I said, here's the deal. Everybody that comes here, comes here to win in whatever way that looks like to them. But make no mistake, everybody here is extremely competitive. However, all of those competitors also have the, uh, the ideology that it's we, not me. And they understand that by being the absolute best they can be physically and tactically and technically, that they're really training to be the best they can be for a team, whether that's a team they're on right now or a team they may be a part of in the future. And and that's that's a valid point right there in itself because people that are showing up for the games, the athletes that are coming to compete are coming from multiple different backgrounds where they're either law enforcement or first responders or accountants. Like it's, it's a whole gambit of different things. And you, you said it, they're training to be a better part of a team in whatever walk of life they're coming from, but also with that competitive nature. Like, oh yeah, there was, there was, there was the times where I was like, you know, looking at each other left and right and we're like, okay, I'm not going to beat you on the rope climb, but I'm going to outshoot you for sure. And, you know, right, Saturday right. morning, everybody's kind of giving each other that side eye, like, you know, measuring each other up and it's like, all right, who's who in the zoo? And then as soon as that, that go was given, you know, that first battle was out of the way and all that, the uh, animosity, well, not animosity, the um, anxiety and the, you know, the pressure and everybody's like, okay, we're, you know, we're all going to go through this, this, uh, this challenge and come out the other side a little different. People started to bond and become like, like the letter said, more familiar, more friendly, more outgoing, uh, and I think the biggest thing for everybody in Atlanta that really bonded everybody was that heat. <laughs> it, it, it melted us down yeah, to, yeah, to kids yeah. on a playground kind of thing. That's right. It, it, it took everybody to that, uh, the, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the, yeah. the basis level, you know, food, <laughs> air, water. You know? Exactly. So, everybody, when it gets down to that level, everybody – uh, very much so collaborates and works together synergistically, but uh, it, it certainly helped the atmosphere for sure. Now, I just want to point out that that was your plan because you are an evil genius. And I did find the secret heaters that were kicking around everywhere on full blast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With, with the swamp coolers to make sure it was humid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now we've talked about, um, We've talked about the athletes, the bonding, and, and this very, very emotional and very powerful um, reasons for being there. But let's take a sidestep, not to avoid any further conversation with it, but just to move um, to the fact that you started, what, a year ago-ish with 17 competitors. And right. you, you were you were struggling at that time and, and i'm paraphrasing from conversations i've heard and and uh you know eavesdropped on <laughs> but you had 17 athletes you were concerned you were stressed obviously so and then a year later we are at 114 competitors absolutely yeah um <clears throat> i've been involved with business before and they they talked a lot about supernatural growth everything was supernatural growth and um and i will tell you 
from that first event at King Bee Ranch in Ardmore, Tennessee, with 17 people that took a chance on something that didn't exist prior um, to now, um, we've seen nothing but could only be explained as supernatural growth. Um, we've had a, a ton of help. We we have this core of people that is growing. Um, it's a core of people that are volunteering their time, talents, and and even their money to to be at the events. And um, it, it's just so cool to see the friendships, the camaraderie, and even the the contest build between you know the the different athletes, the the, the family members. You know, I mean people from New Jersey that I would have never, ever met in my entire life. They show up now with their dog and I'm petting the dog, calling it by name, giving the girl a hug, giving the guy a man hug. Um, you know, and, and what's even crazier is my parents have, have been drawn into this and, you know, you grow up with your parents and it's just like, yep, that's just ma and pa, you know, it's, it's not a big deal, but, uh, they've become kind of a staple around the, the events and, you know, people are walking up that, again, a year ago didn't know who they were, and now they're running up and giving them big hugs and coming to me and saying, your parents are so cute. <laughs> and all I can remember is getting beaten by them when I was a kid. <laughs> so, and I deserved it, but, you know, that's what you remember. Yeah. But uh, I'm just, I honestly, you know, the event's cool. Um, you know, it's evolving. We're, we're getting better at, at putting on the events. The people are getting better at helping put on the events. The quality is going up. But the the one thing that everybody notices, whether they're a competitor uh, or a spectator or a vendor or whoever it is that shows up at our events, they're noticing this incredible group of people. And again, you know, it, it sounds like I'm trying to, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm promoting this group, but... I don't get anything out of promoting the group, right? I'm just, I'm saying you got to come out and experience it and you'll walk away going, wow, he was really, really right. These are just some scooper. Oh, and absolutely. Folks. Like the spectators were getting drawn into the, the atmosphere instead of just sitting there. Like, the, like I said, the first event Saturday morning, the heat was killing everybody. It was just, uh, I want to say horrific, but I'm not going to go that far with it. It was, it was a challenge and, and everybody's kind of like, just, you know, sitting there and stand not standoffish but just closed off a bit but come that second battle and people get in the flow and the energy that was just coming from the judges and from the athletes and that maximum effort that was being put forth even the spectators were starting to get drawn into it and they were they were cheering like you said earlier they were cheering for everybody because they were starting to understand how much physical and mental work was going into this they it was like uh, watching somebody watch Circus Soleil and be like enthralled and just like, oh, look at those feats that they're doing and stuff because it was it was very similar. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look, if it was a lame competition, people would just they, – they'd sit on the sidelines and watch. But when you see people putting their heart, mind, and soul into something, you as a spectator become engaged. You're drawn into it and you become a part of it. It's, it's just like a, a very well – written and very well executed movie you find yourself emotionally involved and uh, you can't come to the tactical games and sit on the sidelines and be neutral you're 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 gonna get involved in it on an emotional level 
whether by cheering or uh, encouraging the person you were there to cheer on or whatever. Uh, but you can't you can't just come there and leave and not be affected somehow. It, it's really a it's really a cool thing. Oh yeah, and and to 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 emphasize that point. Sunday night, people had to leave to get planes. They had to, you know, transport and travel issues and stuff like that. And there was one point where people did not want to leave until they had seen as many of the competitors go through that last event as possible. Like they were, they were, they wanted to see that, that end credit kind of scene uh, in the movie, like you said. And this was definitely the most interactive action movie they've probably ever been part of and i hope that we start to have groupies that come around and, and spectate at all the events because they're getting quite the show and yeah absolutely not only that but we're, we're starting to draw a lot of the, the vendors out now um oh, and, let's talk about the vendors yeah and they're bringing some good stuff out there and uh obviously the more people we can get in front of them the better uh, oh. let me back up real quick okay. though you were talking about the heat earlier I just want to go on record as saying that you kick butt at that event and nobody could be hotter than the polar bear uh, from Canada. So uh, I was proud of you for hanging in there in that sweltering, stifling heat. I had I won the job and that was to not die and to finish all my battles. And when I'm not going to lie, so it was, I think, 50 degrees Fahrenheit back home for us and like 90 down there or something like that, 92. So... <laughs> So just a few degrees, just you know, just uh, you know, a couple. Um, and for those who are listening that know Celsius, it was ten degrees Celsius here and forty-five degrees Celsius down there. So um, I did a, I did a lot of war, wardrobe changes <laughs> down there. But anyways, enough about me. Let's let's talk about the vendors because there was some amazing vendors there, and they weren't just there to put on a little display. They they were selling and showcasing their gear. And let's go through the list, Tim. Who was there? Yeah, so so we had a record number of, of vendors there. Um, of course, Atax Camo was there. Uh, Altima Boots uh, was there. Um, Ballistic Advantage was there with their rifles and setup. Uh, Killcliff was there, making sure everyone stayed hydrated and kept electrolytes in their bodies. Um, I'm going to start getting myself in trouble. Mission 22 was there. Um, who else? Uh, the tactical athlete was there, Jeff Martone. Um, who am I missing? We got we got a couple more out there. Uh, I can pull up a picture and look at the sign, but uh, but yeah, they, they they man, it was just great. It was, you know, you go to big events and you just start seeing the tents pop up and there, you know, people walking around and and we we've been growing towards that a little bit. But this is the first time you showed up and you're like, oh, yeah, there's an event going on here. And and the vendors are, are really what made that. Oh, it's very distinct. It was uh, ATAX camo. You could barely see them. I get it. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they were there. They that's, were teamed that's my up joke. Them. And I've, I've been told I've been wearing it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I a... one time I said, I know there was a camouflage booth around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, Clinton, the guys were amazing down there. And then they had Burley, Burley Man Tactical Yep, with yep. them. Uh, then, like you said, everybody else. And it wasn't just those. That were, uh, we'll, we'll do a comprehensive list. I'll read at the end of the uh, the show who was actually there for everybody so we don't miss anybody because everybody was just as important as every other vendor. And 
watching spectators go up and talk to them and then watching competitors in between battles go up and talk and get some advice like uh ballistic advantage was there and they had some competitors running their gear so they were you know back and forth kind of like a pit crew and and helping each other out and um watching uh, the tactical athlete do his uh, kettlebell juggling and then watching mission 22 do their outreach stuff with their swag and everything just phenomenal and like you said it it really it really brought the attention that this is a legit event this is not just a bunch of crazy people running around with guns uh, and heavy sleds and stuff this is this is real we're here you made a statement tim and having those vendors for the spectators and the athletes to go to really I'm making a fist here right now. I'm getting carried away. Really drove that home, I I feel. Yeah. And then, you know, we had other sponsors that they, uh, they're they great friends to us. They they came uh, on board and were partners with us early on. Uh, Brownells and Car, Car Arms, uh, they've been really good to us. And while they didn't have booths there, they provided prizes and, in many cases, the funding to uh, to secure ranges and pay for uh, the backside support for those things to happen. So, um, you know, Brownells being our title sponsor this year, again, we can't thank them enough for everything they've done. And, and I, you know, I, I said it early on when we first met them, um, they told us, they said, hey, look, we were looking at doing an event just like this, but why would we do it? Now you're doing it. We'll just get behind what you're doing. Outstanding. And so um, just the, the, amazing character they showed as a company so we went back and we we kind of talked about it uh steve and i did and uh and i said you know what not only are they a great company you know they they're the amazon.com of the gun world um so they're doing great things it's a great company as a business but what really drove me to to work with brownells was the quality of the people and my my phrase to them was we want to do good things with good companies, but we want to do great things with great people. And they certainly embody that. Oh, yeah. And the the backside of it and, you know, the support that they gave so that you can get this going and keep moving forward with it. And then having the vendors at the events, everything is evolving every time. Like we said, the first the first time you hosted this event, it was 17 athletes moving forward. We're at 115 you're not done yet with that at all. You you still have more to do. And the one thing that I witnessed that really facilitates the ability to do this and have that growth is the battle bosses and the volunteers. And I'm going to make a statement right now. The only thing, and I, as 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 a competitor, the only thing tougher than the athletes at the tactical games is the judges and the battle bosses, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Those guys. So. I wrote up uh, on the long range, um, former SF guy, retired SF guy, and Mike was running the long range on Saturday. And uh, I pulled up on the four-wheeler, and I, I probably put 50 miles on that four-wheeler that day. Um, but um, I pulled up, and I'm talking with the guys, and a guy looked down at his Fitbit. And one guy had done nearly 13 miles up and down the range in one day. As a as judge. A judge. So – as a judge, that's not an athlete. So I, I think the judges are actually putting in far more time and distance than the athletes are, just maybe not quite as intense, you know, in the moment. But over the, the, the course of the weekend, 
uh, we're finding on some of the events, the guys are putting in almost a marathon and, on the weekend, which is And, and watching the judges, because the judges don't know which event they're going to. I got to sit in at the judges meeting and it was kind of just a crapshoot. Like, okay, I need, I need people for this range and this one, or this battle and this battle and this battle. Nobody knows what the battles are. They're just putting their hands up saying, yeah, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. So they really don't know if they're doing a marathon, a half marathon, or a triathlon <laughs> for distance. Uh, yeah. it's a crapshoot. And the other cool thing that I really, cause I, this is very important to get the message out there is if you don't know if you're capable of being a tackle games athlete, you don't think your fitness is there or whatever, and you doubt yourself volunteer as a judge because what's the offer you give to them, Tim, if they volunteer for the full weekend? Yeah. So so yeah, being a judge does a couple of things. Number one, it pulls back the curtain. You get to see behind the curtain and, and see the back side of what the tactical games is and how it works. Um, but it also uh, gives you a look at the battles, how they're done. And if you haven't been a competitor in the past, it gives you a glimpse of what to look forward to or what to prepare for, you know. Um, but the offer that we give is if a person comes and dedicates their weekend to supporting us and they're a judge for both Saturday and Sunday, we'll comp any event of their choice within one calendar year. If they do one day, like, for example, just Saturday, um, then we'll comp 50% of their registration on a future event within one calendar so year. So you're basically getting paid to show up, see if you can handle the, the workload volunteer like do the judging stuff and then to move forward you get to come to a games for free and actually battle yeah let me be clear they get to Sorry, register, register for, for free, free. <laughs> yeah so you're traveling stuff yeah, on your own yeah that would yeah, get really expensive I'd be volunteering you know all the time. uh what, what are you doing why'd you volunteer all this yeah, year right. oh I'm, I'm banking it up tim's gonna take me to disneyland <laughs> tim tim's the owner why is he volunteering <laughs> The only way I can save you know, exactly. Money, so. <laughs> so, no, but, uh, we just would not happen without the volunteers. They they were amazing. Oh yeah, and the there's no coaching from from the judges and volunteers. They can, you know, when you say, okay, what position I'm in this now, or whatever, what what am I doing? Like, what's the next evolution of this? They're there to to tell you, but they do not coach you or whatever. But when you cross that finish line, and they see the work that you you've done, I witnessed it they come up to you as you're dying and you're you know sweating all over your paperwork they take their hand on your shoulder or they stand beside you closely and say hey good work and you know what that little bit of you know that finite support is just enough to keep you like oh yeah okay somebody saw how much work i did thanks i appreciate it i'm not dead yet i have energy now to go to the next event and the support from the judges is just like the support from the the uh, the spectators. Everybody loves to be part of this once they get into it. And Tim, I don't know if you've got like some little messaging that we're going to put on these tracks to get more people into it or what goes on when you do your speeches, but brother, you are a motivator. Well, I would say this, that the, the right people always float to the top, right? Um, rising tide lifts all ships. But um, only the only the fruit or, you know, in this case, the pasta, only the pasta that is really ready pops up and floats on the surface. So 
um, I would just say that the right people that that um, will identify with what we're doing and how we're doing it and want to play a, a role in that, those are the people that are going to pop to the surface and show up and do great things with us. Um, you know, we had we had a guy at the last event named Brian. It was his second event that he judged at. Uh, his first event was Reveille Peak Ranch uh, a few months ago. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know. I, I, I made him a battle boss. You know, here, run this station. Um, go do good things. And the guy was so crossed his T's and dotted his I's, was so detail-oriented, uh, meticulous in his approach. Um, I'll just make this announcement today. We We just named him battle commander and what that means is he's going to basically be the guy in charge of training and allocating um, battles to new battle outstanding uh, bosses when new guys come in he's going to train them uh, tell them what's what give them the procedures and uh, kind of work as a head judge kind of head battle boss kind of guy but uh, we we developed that position just today and uh, I'm looking at the email right now and he responded. He said, wow, guys, I'm grateful and blessed with the news. So we're really, really glad to have Brian going to be working with us uh, for the remainder of 2019. And we hope beyond that, but uh, we're just committed now with him to 20, uh, you know, the end of this year. So that's awesome. Yeah. He, and, and he is, uh, yeah, he was very meticulous and took it very, you could see the passion and drive that he had for that position and the honor that he he felt by being able to do that job for you. And, you know, I just, I, I'm super happy. Like I, I'm happy for the guy because he's a, a wicked dude and I don't want to blow too smoke, too much smoke here in this podcast uh, <laughs> because um, we have other things to talk about, but congratulations, Brian, outstanding for you, brother. And uh, I look forward to seeing what he does and how he mentors the next crews of judges and bosses as they come up. With that said, I do want to talk about something that was very, very scary at the games. Um, it was it was one of the most uh, traumatic moments, I feel, for everybody. Um, and I, I feel we do have to talk about it, Tim. Um, we do have to bring this up and bring it to the public light. When, during one of the battles, something happened, and I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but it it really scared the, sh the the poopers out of everybody, and that was right after they finished pulling their sled and having to put their bolt back together. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead, keep going. <laughs> so, um, it was it was it was horrific. People, uh, and and I'm not gonna lie, my arms were shut down, and you know somebody who's been playing with bolts for a long time, I was. You know, those fine motor skills were not there. Other people, and I'm not calling anybody out by no means. I'm just saying that it is something that shocked the world. You know, charging handles were not being in, uh, put back in properly. Bolt faces were rotated, orientated to the, excuse me, left instead of to the right. The cotter pins, things just weren't going together properly for everybody. And you could see the full on panic and fear in people's eyes as they were frustrated with themselves and as they were shocked uh, at this, this rifle not going back together. So what happened, I'll explain from the start, is before you started your battle for this one, it was actually Brian's battle. 
you had to strip your rifle, lay it out. Um, you stripped your bolt into its five pieces. You had your rifle opened to the front takedown pin. So it was just pivoted in half there. Basic field strip laying in front of you, charging handle out, off you go, right? Then you do your your battle. You do the sled drags, the rope climb, and all that fun stuff, the pistol shoot. Then you come in. When that's all done, reassemble your, your rifle, do a functions test, and then take off for the, uh, I think it was just under a quarter mile run, not even. Right. Okay. So when people finished that and got to their rifle, Tim, I could hear this evil laughter coming in on the heat waves <laughs> from the humidity as Tim's riding around on his four-wheeler, laughing it up as people were trying to put these rifles back together some people uh, it looked like it appeared that they had never put their rifle back together ever um, some people had some new piston springs and things like that that it, it appeared that they just weren't comfortable with was that the intent obviously it was you, you genius yeah, so you know so one of the secondary goals of the tactical games is to train up the militia right yeah <laughs> <laughs> Tongue-in-cheek, kidding, of course. Um, but look, a, a basic skill, if you're going to carry a weapon, you need to know how to break it down and put it back together. Um, you know, the M4s are standard uh, across the board, whether you got an AR, an M4, uh, an AR pistol, it doesn't matter. They're all the same. And so it just seemed like a logical thing. If I want to take a guy from... Uh, you know, I've talked about this before from the sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight, go, 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 get it done, break it down, get over it, get under it, get around it, whatever it takes and force them to go from go, go, go to think, think, think. And uh, so I knew every athlete had a had a rifle with them. And um, I knew that they were all the same uh, for the most part. Um, so I knew it would be a fair and equitable uh, challenge to get their heart rates up, get the respiration rates up, get their bodies out of uh, the fine motor skill into the gross motor skill um, arena. And then after they come off of the range, get them to power down, grab these really small pieces and put them together very deliberately and put them, put their guns back together. It, it sounds very, very simple. And yet you saw some of the most seasoned athletes struggling with it to get it together uh and and the truth is i was not laughing as i <laughs> no, as wasn't. i watched it happen i was studying i i truly was studying the athletes and watching them what's going on with them psychologically what's going on with them physiologically um because it gives me ideas for more evil twisted battles so um i know that the longest time period it took was about 8 minutes for a person to put their gun back together. But I promise you this, that person will never come to the games again, not knowing how to put their gun back together. Oh yes, the videos, have already, yeah, the videos have already started popping up on social media of people, you know, sitting at home and they're redoing it, redoing it. And I keep commenting, I'll go run a mile and do it again. Um, and they're like already doing it, you know, it, like you have sparked something that is changing and influencing the growth, uh, you know, tongue in cheek of the militia, but you are, are actually inspiring athletes to be better, to do better and to overcome things that they never thought they would have to deal with. Yeah. And, and, and think about it though. Um, how many people out there have an AR 15 or an M four and they didn't know how to 
maintain their own weapon, right? It's a basic training skill for those that have been in the military. I mean, you, you can take it apart in 26 seconds, put it back together in about 35 seconds. So, you know, it's what seems mundane and like, oh yeah, big deal to somebody that may have served in the military. For some people, they learned a brand new skill set, which is one of the sub uh, purposes or, or sub reasons for me even doing the tactical games is to uh, highlight, test, and train in those uh, skill sets and abilities that these amazing athletes have. So, um, goal achieved. Yeah, on that gold one. star for you, brother. Like that was that emphasized the importance to a lot of people. It's not just about shooting and moving heavy objects or you know running and shooting. It's it's the mental aspect of it as well, and knowing your gear and kit. And rumors are is that there's going to be more mental aspects of the, of requirements further on into the road, especially with the next games being in an urban environment. You know, hint, hint, people start uh, start researching it because the word tactical is part of the name, and the F emphasis of the tactical yeah. is is mastering all of your worlds, be it the physical, the emotional, the mental, and the shooting. You have to conquer all that. As well, um, I, I just lost my train of not train of thought. Yeah, yeah no worries. Yeah, Let me right jump in, in here, though. Um, you know, one of the one of the tenets of doing close quarter battle or urban warfare is you have three hundred and sixty degree security with the added dimension of height. So you've got to be kind of three dimensionally aware of your surroundings, pretty much at all times. Uh, knowing that you can't look in every direction at the same time, but you got to be able to be aware of whatever is in your field of view or your sector of fire. So <clears throat> I'm just going to throw a hint out there for my one of my brain games that will appear in South Carolina. Um, it's going to test people's awareness. Um, after the fact, they'll go, oh, of course, and they'll they'll definitely notice or, um, you know, look back and go, yeah, I saw that. But in the moment, um, I think we're going to see a lot of people uh, gloss right past uh, what I have in store for them. Uh, it's going to be fun. It'll be, it'll be a good time. And, uh, you know, be interesting. Um, it's, something, it's something that all the dead presidents would love to have, you know, played a role in, I'm sure. Nice. And on that hint, so the, now – Talking, talking about North Carolina and South Carolina, this is the other cool thing about these next two events is that they are a circuit series. You take part in one and you take part in the other. Your points from both events are combined for an aggregate for your overall score at the two of them. So it's it's you go, you, you set your benchmark in the first one, you do the best that you can physically, emotionally, and mentally, and then you show up for the second one and you, and you show up better, stronger, fitter, faster, all the way around, your score goes up. Now you go against everyone that has shown up at both events and you get a third score, not just the one from each individual one, but you know, get a, a third score overall for those two events. Is this something we're going to see more of next year? Yeah, well, um, you know, we, we love the series kind of events and, and uh, what we're finding out is the sponsors do too. So, uh, by coupling the events together, it allows us to give a discount to the athletes. By coupling the events together, um, we can attract vendors. 
so it ends up being a win-win-win all around. Um, you know, we, we at first considered not doing these two venues because they were kind of in proximity to one another. You know, one is um, basically near Aiken, South Carolina, and then maybe just five hours away to the north in uh, Autryville slash Fayetteville, North Carolina will be, you know, the, the, uh, the next event. And some, believe it or not, some of our athletes uh, who are uh, very adept in the business world and uh, they emailed me and they were like, why don't you just make it a, a series like a Carolina cup? And <laughs> it was like, Oh, you know, the, the sun, the sun rays and the organ music started. And I thought, Oh, that's brilliant. And turns out it was brilliant um, <laughs> primarily because it wasn't my idea. Um, but uh, you know, every, everybody's really, really liking it. So, you know, just to be clear, you can come to South Carolina you can compete, you can win, you'll get a trophy and a prize, depending on, you know, where you place. You can come to North Carolina, you can compete, you can win, and get a trophy and a prize separately. And you could come to, theoretically, come to South Carolina, win, get a trophy and a prize, come to North Carolina, win, get a trophy and a prize, and because you placed in both events, your score is high enough that you get a third trophy and prize for the Carolina Cup. Or you could just one, you know, win in one situation and not the others, or what have you. So or vice versa. Yeah. yeah, they're standalone events, or they're coupled together, depending on how you sign up. But you will not know unless you show up to compete. What right. you've done, yeah, and that this cup series is fantastic. I look forward to uh, seeing everybody and competing in them, and and seeing what happens and who stands at the top at the end of the day. And also the last thing I want to talk about, Tim, before we go, because we opened up with an amazing letter um, of, of this person's journey. I want to talk about one that I witnessed while I was there. There was two guys. Uh, one guy was walking around with a big old uh, bandage on his hand and stitches and everything. And he was kind of kicking the dirt and mopey because he, uh, he wasn't, and no, this is not me. Uh, he was not able to compete because he had been injured that week and he had been looking forward to it. Him and his buddy had made these plans. They were going to be there together. They were both going to compete. They didn't care where they finished. They were just going to finish their battles and set a benchmark. And I got to talking to him uh, as his friend was battling and he was, he was gutted that he wasn't able to do it. And I said, but are you, are you hmm. having fun? He goes, Oh, I'm having a blast. I'm, I'm having so much fun, but I'm still upset that I can't battle right now. And I said, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? He goes, oh, brother, I'm going home. I'm training and I'm coming back for the North Carolina one. I know what I got to do. It's all good. Don't worry about me. I'm like, damn, all right. You've got a plan. I like that. So then I got to talk. Yeah, he was, he was focused. Like he, he knew what he was going to do. And his plan was to just finish his battles. Do what he could do in the battles, but he was going to cross the finish line for each one. So I got to talking to his buddy. Um, I believe they're both Marines, retired Marines or whatever. And his buddy is um, injured as well and has a disability pension or whatever stuff. So he he's out there battling. And at the last battle of the day on Sunday, um, just before my relay went, he comes across the finish line and he takes out his paper and brings it to JP. Uh, we're not giving a shout out to JP. We're just using him as an example of the, the boss that was there. Oh, slow down, JP. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So he brings his paper over and he goes, here's my paperwork to sign. 
and it is just soaked and torn and like it's it was put in his pocket hard and wet so um <laughs> we're looking at that and I, I snapped a picture i said can i take your picture brother and he goes yeah absolutely whatever man and he's like can you sign this i gotta go and jp and i look at each other we're like but there's the awards and stuff he's like bro i'm done i crossed the finish line i did all the battles i'm done and we're like we're teasing him a little bit because there is some teasing at the games. It's fun. It's banter. And he's, he's got this little, you know, proud smirk on his face. But it's not really a smirk. It's kind of like a half tired smile. And he goes, no, bro, I'm done. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And his buddy there with the injured hand is, is like just gathering up his gear, holding on to everything for him. And he's like, you know, that, that support staff and buddy stands there and he's like, no, bro, you see this paper. That's how I feel. I got to go home. And we're like, so we kind of got concerned for a moment. We're like, are, are you done? He's like, oh, no, I'm just going home, taking some meds, taking some rest. I started the gym on Tuesday uh, with, the, you know, the CrossFit gym. He's got Boone or somebody that he was working with. He, he just laid out his whole plan right there. And he's like, I'm coming back to North Carolina. You're going to see me again. But, bruh, I'm done. <laughs> to me right there, yeah, I, was like, awesome. I told him, I said, brother, so you are my hero. I can't wait to see what you do next. And for me, I love watching people show up and battle. People are like, I saw pictures of you at, uh, at Texas and I, and I will talk about myself for a second. I'm a bigger dude. I'm that polar bear from Canada. And they said, they saw me competing, beat only just the three battles that I was able to do. They said, we saw you and I'm here because I saw you do that. And I was like, damn, that that's cool. And the gist of it is, is that, you know, yeah. If you want to be better and you want to melt yourself down, like it said in that first email, the games is the place to do it because you will get in touch with yourself. You will battle your inner demons, your inner thoughts, your inner doubts, and you will show yourself that you are not done yet. And seeing these two buddies walk away at the end of the weekend, you know, with a solid plan. And not lip service like, yeah, yeah, we'll be back. No, they were like, definitively, we're coming back. We did this. We have our plan. That focus was there. And Tim, I'm going to say this on behalf of all the judges, all the athletes, thank you for coming up with this amazing event. Yeah, um, my pleasure. I, I would just add one thing to that, Nate, is a lot of these guys, when when they're out there, e- even you, when you're out there competing, never forget. No matter where you're at and what you're doing in life, somebody is watching you. Somebody is considering you as an example. And when you do what you do, whether you knew they were watching or not, you're going to encourage them to keep going. I've had several herald moments in my life where men that I respected said something encouraging to me or did something in front of me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm going to be just like them. So, you know, when you when you're sucking, when you're sweating, you're dehydrated, there's salt rings around every part of your clothing and you still continue, just you got to know that somebody's watching and somebody's going, "Dang, that's awesome. I'm going to keep going too." And on that note, this has been the Tactical Games podcast with your host Tim Burke and me, Nate. Thank you for listening today.